Unless otherwise indicated, all the names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents in these stories and audio narrations are either the product of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental. The stories and audio narrations are not intended as a substitute for the medical advice of physicians. The reader and or listener should consult a physician in matters related to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. Mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Zen medicine. I'm an intuitive tantric Reiki healer. I'm neither formally trained nor educated in being a tantra or Reiki healer. I'm just pretty plugged into the universe, and this is my calling, for better or for worse. How people find me? Well, there's word of mouth and divine timing. Here's my story. The human body is a living, breathing miracle of life. We all are born from the same source, whether you call it God or universal source. So it should go without saying that all of us have identical physical features, albeit in some form or fashion, such as eyes, ears, nose, penises, and vaginas. The same can be said about the five senses of the body: the ability to see, hear, smell, taste. And touch. And if you accept that Kool Aid, then we can also say that we are all born with the five senses of the soul: clairsentience, feeling; clairvoyance, seeing; clairaudience, hearing; clairgustance, smelling; and claircognizance, knowing. The question then becomes: Why do some people have it while others don't? And the answer is, their energetic body is unturned on. Their access to their five soul senses isn't opened. But for some, they're slightly opened. You know what those are: gut feelings, or a mother's intuition about her child, or when you shiver with cold when a ghost shakes your hand, or when a medium helps a lost soul pass over into the light. It varies in degrees. Then it comes to the God-given right that each one of us has, which is free will. So it's a choice if you want these unique gifts opened at all. I watched as Keegan stepped into the antique elevator, which was locked and held stationary on the twelfth floor after forensics had cleared the scene. Hands on his lean hips, eyes steady, calm, he silently took in the sight before him. It was a nice elevator if you disregarded the blood, bullet holes, and the mess in there at the moment. Blood-splattered groceries were strewn on the floor. A couple of naval oranges having escaped the bag and sat in one corner. His officer friend, the first on the scene, Officer Derek Danell, was standing just outside the elevator. His brown mustache fuzzy and furry like wired herb. Victim, identified as an innocent on her photo ID, 38 years old, a registered tenant of this building. No late rental payments. Good rapport with the security folks. Quiet and keeps to herself. Not a problem, tenant. He paused for a second, which had Keegan turning his head to look at him expectantly. Danell continued. According to her rental application, her occupation was an intuitive tantra reiki healer, 
whatever the hell that means. It means she's a spiritual practitioner who heals chakras in the body, Keegan said as a matter of factly. For full disclosure, I knew her, Donnell. His head nodding slightly. She's a friend. Keegan was there when they had wheeled me out of the building in a gurney. Donnell winced, his mouth twisting woefully. Sorry about that, man. But what the hell is an intuitive tantra Ricky healer? Voodoo? Keegan was thoughtful for a moment, answering slowly. I don't know how exactly she does it, but the energy comes out of her hands, and people get healed. Sounds like bullshit if you ask me, Donnell muttered, but stopped short when Keegan threw him a stern look. Don't tell me you believe this shit, Keegan. She heals my bum knee, he responded without hesitation. She's got a God-given talent, my friend. Keegan didn't say another word. Danelle shrugged and continued. The long and short of it is, the assailant unloaded four rounds into the victim, all chest shots, all direct hits. Weapon found on the scene was a Walter PPK. At Keegan's sharp look, Danelle shrugged again. Assailant thinking maybe he's James Bond? He shook his head and continued. The video surveillance in the building is pretty sophisticated and thorough. The elevators... The staircases, the whole shebang were all wired up tight. As Keegan slowly turned around in the elevator to face forward, Danelle went on, a voice-activated elevator, triggered by only authorized personnel and attendants in this building. There should be an open and shut case, but... Keegan's eyes immediately flicked over to Danelle. But... The older officer started to touch his mustache, stopped when he realized that his gloved hands were filthy. I've been on the force for 23 years, and I've seen things, and I've seen things. But this is gonna be one for the books. Walk me through it, Keegan said. Talk to me. Danell stared thoughtfully, his gray eyes focused on the scattering of bullet holes that ruined the back wall of the antique elevator. Lady was in the elevator. The gate still closed. When the assailant approached her from the staircase, he pointed at the door to the staircase that was diagonal across from the elevator. Victim shouts for security, and they respond 30 seconds later. Then shots fired into the elevator, and when the victim goes down, she manages to call for the lobby, which takes the elevator down. Security meets her there when it reaches the lobby. He motioned Keegan to follow him to the staircase. The inert body lay sprawled where it had fallen, at the base of the lower level, one flight down. Down. Forensics was bustling about the two men. Jameson Ambrose, MD. Danelle pointed a finger at the strange twist of the man's neck. Perlim says, broken neck is the cause of death. What attacked him? Keegan asked, his keen eyes taking in the relatively clean and tidy staircase. I watched the video footage six times and each time it doesn't make much sense. At Keegan's steady stare, the older man sighed and shook his head. Something scared the shit out of the good doctor, Keegan. Video showed him screaming and shooting at... Then he stopped. At, Keegan prompted. Nothing, the older man grunted. Goddamn nothing. You're not making much sense, my friend. Video caught nothing. I'm telling you, Keegan, that something spooked the man. Spooked him enough to start shooting. He pointed at the two bullet holes that punctured the wall inside the staircase before he fell down the stairs and broke his neck. If the building is secured, how did Ambrose get in? Keegan asked, and Danelle answered, piggybacked entrance into the building and elevated with an elderly tenant, holding her groceries. As the two men stepped back from the broken body, Danelle waved at forensics, who began the work to clear the scene. Keegan and Danelle stepped out of the staircase back out into the hall. The older man clasped his gloved hand on Keegan's broad shoulder. 
You guys close? Keegan shrugged slightly. Was working on it. Thanks for the walkthrough, Danelle. With his gloved hand, he shook the man's hand. Didn't see any next of kin, and the landlord didn't have anything on file. Danelle stated frankly. You know her parents? Her family? But Keegan only shook his head. Didn't get a chance to find out. Danelle's cell phone rang then, interrupting the two men. Keegan watched as his fellow officer answered, his brown eyebrows immediately snapping into a tight frown. She what? His eyes flew to Keegan who held his hands up, silently mouthing, what? I'm on my way. Danelle clicked the red button on his cell before looking at Keegan. Seems your lady friend is alive and kicking, Keegan. This shit just gets better and better. Let's go to the hospital. I followed them as they made their way down to the lobby and out the building. That was when they ran into Dean and Marla. I watched as, after a few moments, my trio of friends jumped into Danelle's double park city vehicle and was fast on their way to the hospital. Watched as the car sped down the road, sirens blaring as it fished its way through the New York City truck. I turned to Henry who nodded and we blinked away. Time and space meant nothing when you're outside your body. I didn't feel anything as I walked up to stand beside the hospital bed looking down at myself. So that's what I look like when I'm asleep, I thought. The steady beeping of the heart monitor broke the silence in the room. There wasn't any other noise except for the quiet chatter among the medical staff standing at the base of the bed. Now tell me what happened? A petite nurse intern murmured to another nurse, her face excited. I just got here and heard all the commotion. The lady was shot in the heart and pronounced dead at the scene. But when Barry and Clovis got her body, into the ambulance, the body moved. A collective sigh of surprise sprung out of the listeners who held rapt attention to the speaker. Barry checked her out and she was alive. Dr. Silver just finished with x-rays and CAT scan and the lady's fine. No internal organ damage. The nurse paused in her story eyeing her co-workers before adding, anywhere. Hey, you think she's a real live zombie? One of them murmured thoughtfully, his eyes nervously flickering to my still body lying snug in the bed. They gasped loudly, jumping a foot off the floor as the hospital bed began to move. I smiled at Henry as I watched myself incline to the bed, the eyes opening, coherent, and quite clear. Have you people ever heard that unconscious people could hear everything you're saying? And that is just fucking rude to talk about them when they're in the room. The medical staff immediately scattered, and as they exited, a well-seasoned nurse stepped in briskly, her eyes and demeanor no nonsense. Her name badge said, and Nash. She went about checking my vitals, tisking as she worked. You can't blame them for being curious, she said reassuringly. You are an anomaly, That's what sometimes makes for an interesting day here in the hospital. Great. I heard myself say with heavy sarcasm, when can I get out of here? You're technically a gunshot victim, Nurse Nash responded. Police should be coming to interview you soon. Great, my other self responded. I turned to look at Henry. If I'm alive, why am I standing here with you? Why do you think you're here? I hate when he gets into his Cheshire cat attitude, answering with non-answers and riddles. I lost connection to my physical body, that much I can see. I'm not the soul, since I can see quite clearly that I'm alive and healthy and hearty in that hospital bed. So what's really going on? With a bit of confusion, it turned as people came rushing into the room. Marla, Dean, Keegan, 
and Danelle. Marla threw her arms around the other Z, crying and screaming with relief. Z wrapped her arms around the hysterical woman, gasping as Dean threw his weight on the other side of them. Nurse Nash tissed his ticks as she planted her fists on her round hips. Excuse me, please. If everyone can back away from the bed, please. She looked at Danelle, familiarity in her face. Good to see you, Officer Derek. And on a good occasion for once. He nodded at her, his gray eyes smiling. Likewise, Nancy. My heart melted as Keegan went to Z and gave her a tight bear hug. If you squeeze me any harder, Keegan, Z said breathlessly, I'm not gonna make it. Keegan, make way, man, Danelle said as he stepped up to the bed. Miss, you're a walking miracle. If you feel up to it, I'd like to ask a few questions. Because I was there when it happened, I tuned down from the scene before me, lost in my thoughts. To say that the entire experience playing out before my eyes were surreal was an understatement. In what seems like moments, the police interview was over, and Danelle was gone. I frowned slightly when Reader and Ava came rushing in a short time after. I watched as the room became warm gold and green, the sweet feeling of love and warmth radiating from it. I looked at Henry, my eyes unmoving, but yet my thoughts spoke. Why is this happening to me, Henry? What lesson is it that I need to learn? You manifested this, my darling. He looked at me, his thoughts touching mine through the ether. You asked for this choice to make. I don't suppose you could stop being so fucking cryptic and just give me a simple answer. My eyes filled with exasperation. I manifested what choice? But Henry only shook his golden head at me, his golden eyes incredibly gentle. All the answers are within you, my darling. But of course, you already know this. I turned back to look at my human form, sitting up in the hospital bed, laughing and smiling with her group of close friends. Like a normal girl who went out on dates, who couldn't read or feel people's auras, who didn't see or heal chakras, who didn't see spiritual guides or spiritual dogs. The answer swelled up in my heart like a flaring fireball that instantly spread intense heat and energy throughout my entire being. Quote of Hamlet, to be or not to be, that is the question. Status of the case of the antique elevator, to be continued in season two, coming October 2021. Music credit by Kogan Audio. Sound credit by zacksplat.com. Story created, written, and narrated by Z.E. Leanne. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider supporting us by subscribing on Apple iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly appreciated. Follow the continuing story of Zen Medicine on Medium.com. Thank mm-hmm. you.